Do you want victory? You can have it in Christ Jesus. Time once again for Abiding in Christ with Jim Wood. You have to step back, evaluate the various positions in light of Scripture, and then re-engage with a godly perspective. Pastor Wood is the founder and executive director of Wears Valley Ranch, a Christian home and school for kids from crisis situations. Jesus said, as the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Abide in my love. You can contact the program by calling 866-41-ABIDE or by visiting us on the web at pastorwood.org. And now, here's your host, Jim Wood. Well, folks, today we're wrapping up the series of messages from Montreat. Again, we uh, spoke there back uh, actually last fall, and uh, these messages um, continue to uh, resonate in my heart because they're drawn from God's Word. We look to His Word and we find that suffering is to be expected, that difficulty and adversity are not things that should catch us by surprise. Instead, we should be expecting not only the hard times, but expecting God's grace to carry us through because God has promised that he will see us through, that nothing can separate us from God's love if we are in Christ Jesus. So I hope again that this message today will be an encouragement to you, that it'll strengthen your faith, that it'll help you to keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because when we consider what he endured in order to save us, then we realize that the sufferings we have in this life are, as Paul describes them, light and momentary troubles. So let's continue to go to God's word, be encouraged by his promises, and trust in him. Folks, without perseverance, we're never going to be mature. I want to ask you, is your goal to be mature or is your goal to be comfortable? Is your goal to be refined or to avoid the fire? Silver and gold are refined by being heated until the impurities come to the surface and they're skimmed away. We don't like circumstances that expose our impurities, do we? For us to get purified from the junk on the inside, God has to bring that stuff to the surface, and he does that most often by putting us through fiery trials. We go through difficulty. We go through suffering. We have to be in situations where things don't go the way we want. And unfortunately, most of us would rather be comfortable than holy. We'd rather be well thought of than pure. And so rather than confess our sins, like we're told to do in Scripture, we cover up our sins. Yes, I believe the Bible's true. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ is only... Okay? We can still recite the creeds, but we're just not really walking that closely with the Lord. And as long as people can't tell, then we're okay. Well, no, we're not okay. The reason we need to have our quiet time is not so that we can impress other people, but it's because, supposedly, we absolutely love God more than life itself, and why in the world then don't we want to talk to Him? Is it that we don't really love Him? Is that maybe the problem? That we're not really eager to hear what He has to say to us? So much of what motivates us is more about comfort than godliness. 
If you had a choice between a really painful experience that's going to make you more like Jesus, or you still get to go to heaven, but you're not as Christ-like, but you don't have to go through the painful experience. Which would you choose? You know what my response would be? Uh, you said I do still get to go to heaven? <laughs> See, I don't want to miss heaven. You know, I want to go to heaven. I really do. I really want to go to heaven. And so, you know, if, if this is necessary for me to go to heaven, then, uh, you know, sign me up. I want to go to heaven. I don't want to go to hell. I believe hell is real, and, uh, and I don't want to go there, okay? But if I can go to heaven and basically, you know, just kind of have a, a condo instead of a mansion, I'm okay with that, you know? <laughs> but here's the deal. God doesn't offer that choice. That's not an option. What God says is that He is going to put us through trials in order that we learn perseverance and become mature and complete and holy in Christ Jesus. God's going to do what it takes to grow us up and make us holy. Therefore, we're told in the letter to the Hebrews, don't despise the discipline of the Lord. Because whom He loves, He disciplines. And He says, and we all... I love this. He says, if you don't undergo discipline, you're not God's child. And then He says, and we all undergo discipline. The difficulty you're going through is not in vain. It is for a purpose. It is to give you the opportunity to grow in your relationship with God. It's for your good. But the only way that you and I can become strong is by having our faith exercised. We have to go through hard times. Now, we don't all have the same kind of hard times. And we can't all look at each other and say, well, boy, God must really love that person. <laughs> I'm glad I'm not them. <laughs> Do you ever look at somebody else? I mean, if you'd seen Job, wouldn't you have thought that God was upset with him? I, his friends did. His friends said, gosh, we don't know what you did, but you did something. There's no way. There is no way that God would possibly let all this bad stuff come piling down on top of somebody unless they'd really done something bad. And that's why the, one God, the, the people that God was mad at in the book of Job were his friends. God says to them, you better ask Job to pray for you. Because Job was the one who was walking with God. And God was so impressed with Job, he let him go through stuff that we wouldn't have let him go through. Would we? But you see, God didn't ask anybody's opinion, did he? I found over the years God seldom asked my opinion. Adrian Rogers said, everybody wants to work for God. The problem is we all want to be consultants. <laughs> you know, we, we, we want to advise God on how he ought to run the show. And, and I'm telling you, over and over, as I read what God does, Old and New Testament, even just in the life of Jesus, I'm thinking, no, 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 that's not good. You remember a guy named Peter? He, he's in the New Testament. And uh, 
Jesus says that he's about to go to the cross and be crucified. And Peter says, surely not, Lord. Jesus said, get thee behind me, Satan. You don't have in mind the things of God. What? Yeah, I would have voted against the cross. I would have said, bad idea. That is no way to treat a Messiah. But it's to save sinners. Well, speaking as a Calvinist, I'd say they don't deserve it. But he did it anyway. Because he loved us anyway. Because that's what he's like. And so, in light of the gospel, in light of the fact that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, then we have a basis for interpreting the other stuff that happens to us. I don't know why this is going on, but I know what the outcome is going to be. I know that God is going to use this for my good. Somehow this is going to turn out well for me, because I'm God's child. And so I don't, I, don't, I don't understand this, and this seems to me like just not at all something I'd be in favor of. But I know that God is in control. And I know that He loves me. He proved it at Calvary. And so I'm going to be okay, no matter what happens. You know, they say I might die. Hey, here's a newsflash. You're gonna. You know? Here's, here's what I've learned. When we are in pain, we lose our perspective on time. You've been sitting here for a long time, listening to me but not nearly as long as if you had to use the restroom the whole time. Is that right? I mean, in other words, you're just moderately uncomfortable. But if you had to use the restroom, this would be torture. Right? Well, see, it would be worse. It would be worse if you were sitting here with an abscessed tooth. I mean, that's worse than having to use the restroom, right? I mean, one is discomfort the other is pain and when you've got pain just 10 minutes can seem like eternity there's this guy uh, that I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting I haven't met him yet but his name is Abraham and and he, he wanted to have a child and so you know because God had told him to expect one, and, and his wife couldn't get pregnant, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and they tried, and this guy got to be 90 years old, and he still hadn't had a baby. That's rough. Wouldn't you at some point think, well, I guess it's never going to happen, but see, God still had a plan, but God wanted to wait until he was as good as dead. That's what the scripture says. I don't know if you're getting close to 90, but by the time he was 100, he was as good as dead. And God said, now you can have the miracle, baby. You've already had Ishmael. Now you're going to have the miracle I promised you. And it turns out, actually, he had other children after that. But when it's something you're waiting on, and you're 73, and it still isn't happening, it can be pretty hard to wait.
right? And by the time you get to be 80, well, <laughs> I don't know if we ought to be waiting on this anymore because it doesn't look like it's going to happen. But God promised. God always keeps his promises. Abraham had that miracle child, Isaac. Isaac is a 35-year-old single guy, and there are no good prospects. And his dad says to the servant, you need to go get a, a wife for my son. Sends him off. And a wife is brought back, and Isaac marries her when Isaac is 40 years old. That's when he gets his wife, okay? He's 40 years old when his dad sends the servant away. 35, he's just the confirmed bachelor. 40 years old, his dad sends for a wife for him. He marries at age 40. And at age 41, they had a baby. Nope. 42, nope. 45, nope. 50, nope. Did you know that Isaac and his wife took 20 years to conceive Jacob and Esau? 20 years. So finally, he doesn't have to wait till he's almost dead. He gets a child at age 60. Spring chicken. Okay? He's a 60-year-old papa. This is pretty good. But the boys don't get along real well. One is an outdoorsman. The other is uh, mama's boy. And so Isaac really loves Esau. His wife really loves Jacob. And uh, lo and behold, Isaac loses his sight. He becomes blind. Now, we don't know exactly how old he was at this point, but we're going to guess he was around maybe 80, 85. And he's blind. Can't see anymore. So he goes to bed and decides to die. And he says, I'm about to die. I can't see anymore. No point in living. Before I die, I want to taste my son Esau's fabulous roasted game. Sonny, come here. I'm going to die soon. I want you to go hunting. Bring me something. You remember this story, don't you? Here's what struck me about that story. How many years went by before he died? Let me tell you a few things that happened. Jacob stole the blessing. His brother threatens to kill him. So Jacob goes to live with Uncle Laban, falls in love with Laban's daughter, works seven years in order to earn her hand in marriage, and then Uncle Laban the cheat gives him the wrong girl. And he has to work seven more years in order to get the right wife. You remember that story? That's at least 14 years. Then he spends more time before he leaves Uncle Laban's house and heads back up. And guess who's still in bed? Waiting to die. Isaac. 14 years, because he couldn't see. Now, it may have been a lot more than 14 years that he lived, but we know it's at least 14. 
can't be less. This guy spent at least 14 years thinking any day now, how long, sovereign Lord? I don't like this deal. I can't see. I got nothing to do. My wife and I don't get along. One of my kids turns out to be a liar and a thief, and he's run away from home. My other son married a couple of pagan girls, and they're driving me bonkers. What's the deal, God? I have no reason to be here. Take me home. And the years go by. When we're in pain, we lose track of time. So I find that it's helpful to remember that God is the God of Abraham and the God of Isaac and the God of Jacob. I find it helpful to think about the fact that in the ark, it had to smell. Right? You got two of every kind of animal for 40 days. You think they didn't make a mess? And they couldn't open the door and get rid of it. Okay? Because there was a flood going on out there. So for 40 days, they're dealing with increasing piles of animal poo. I venture to say it was a smelly environment. I venture to say it was a noisy environment. You think all the animals said, shh, shh, don't bother them. Noah and his family. Don't make your animal sounds. Don't do, don't do anything noisy. We've got to be quiet. These people gave us a ride on their boat. We need to be quiet. Okay? No, I, I don't know. The Bible doesn't say, but I'm guessing the animals were probably making a ruckus some of the time. Think about two of every kind of animal making noises and making digestive products. The ark would be a tough place to be. How many of you would want to spend 40 days in that environment? Not me. But it beat being outside. Right? Being in the ark was a whole lot better than being out of the ark. What about Jonah? Three days in the belly of a whale. Boy, that had to be nice. What do you think it was looked like in there. It didn't look like anything. It's totally dark. I mean, how bright is it inside your stomach? So he's in the dark. He can't see anything, but I bet he could smell some stuff. So he's in there with whatever else is in there, and he can't see it, but he can smell it, and he can, ugh, touch it. It's dark, it's smelly, it's slimy. It's stinky. This is no fun. But it beat drowning. And before Noah got vomited out, he gave praise to God for the fact that that great fish had swallowed him. If you're in a dark, smelly, slimy place, you need to be thanking God that you're not in hell. Because that's what you and I deserve. Well, I, I think I'm a pretty good person. Well, then you're going to hell. If you don't know you deserve hell, you're going to hell. The people who are going to heaven all know they deserve to go to hell. Jesus said he came to save sinners. I qualify. Okay, so do you. So, what do we do? Well, the Bible tells us what we ought to do. We ought to rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, 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 but... Verse 11 of Revelation 6. 
wait a little longer. <laughs> wait a little longer, that's what it says. They were given a white robe and they were told to wait a little longer until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were waiting to be saved, uh, no, it's, it says who were waiting to be, oh, who were to be killed. Until the number of their fellow servants and brothers who were to be killed as they had been was completed. In other words, my dear fellow Reformed Christians, God has already foreordained what's going to happen, including the martyrdom of many of our brothers and sisters. And we're not going to be taken out of this mess And God's not going to come back and visit his wrath on the planet and take his children all to glory until the full number of people who are to be martyred for the gospel have been martyred. God's already decided how many. God's already decided which ones. And you and I are going to have to wait a little while longer. Just like those who have been martyred are having to wait a while longer. When I start thinking about martyrdom and what our brothers and sisters in other parts of the world are going through, all of a sudden I feel pretty embarrassed about the stuff that bugs me here. And I don't know about you, but some of the stuff that is upsetting to me just isn't upsetting when I find out about somebody else's problem. You know? You're bent out of shape over a paper cut, and then you find out somebody else's just been dragged out of their home and beaten. Saw their wife raped. Their kids taken away. Because they preached the gospel in a country where the government doesn't tolerate that kind of thing. All of a sudden, you want to say, how long, sovereign Lord? I'm not asking for me. But Lord, how long? How much longer? You're in control. You could stop it right now. Let me tell you, God still loves us. And He knows what He's doing. And if you're looking at Him and wondering why He's letting you go through this, whatever it is you're going through, I just want to remind you, our problems are all temporary. When our oldest son was born, Susan and I said to each other, it's all going to be okay in 150 years. Because it will. When you're having the pain, you lose your sense of time. Your perspective gets warped. February 2010, our first grandson died. And we were crushed. August 24th, we're sitting in the same waiting area. And our daughter-in-law is in labor. And a little boy named Titus was finally born. And we're thrilled. And he's beautiful. We thank God. But you know what? The only thing that matters now regarding Titus is that he come to know Jesus. Because that's what's going to last forever. Everything else is like the flowers of the field. Here today, gone tomorrow. Are you suffering? Then suffer well. What can separate us from the love of God? Absolutely nothing. 
We are His for all eternity. Rejoice and wait a little longer. Thank you for listening to Abiding in Christ with Pastor Jim Wood. Pastor Wood is a popular speaker for family and marriage retreats, conferences, and pro-life fundraisers. If you are planning an event, a retreat, or conference and would like to invite Pastor Wood to speak or teach, please visit pastorwood.org and fill out our speaker request form. At this site, you will also find over a dozen books authored by Pastor Wood and his wife, Susan. Again, please visit pastorwood.org today. That's pastorwood.org. Abiding in Christ is paid for by the generous donations of listeners like you. We are grateful for gifts of any amount. You can make a donation online at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. You've been listening to Abiding in Christ. If you have questions that you'd like for us to tackle on the program or comments you want to make, I want to invite all of you to contact us at 866-41-ABIDE. That's our toll-free number, 866-41-ABIDE. Or contact us on the web at pastorwood.org. That's pastorwood.org. Dot O-R-G.